Johnson County property owners will soon receive in the mail a new assessment. On this episode, hear from the Johnson County appraiser about how values are determined and which areas of the county are seeing increases and by how much. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. Each year, property owners can expect to find in their mailboxes their notice of appraised value, an important document that tells you the conservative value of your home in the current market. The NOAV will hit mailboxes next week. Here to talk more about that is Bo Boy the Johnson County appraiser. Thanks for being with us. Uh, thank you, Teresa, for the opportunity. All right, so we start with this question every time, but can you just talk about what the county's role is in assessing values and why we do that? Sure. Um, the county appraiser's office is required to establish the market value for properties as it relates to assessment and property taxes. So they call that ad valorem valuation. So we value in, on a massive ba uh, basis and not on an individual property. So therefore we're valuing hundreds and thousands of properties sometimes within a market area to establish the value of those properties. And then that number is utilized in the formula for calculating the property taxes. So what does that process look like? I, I'm sure you're not just doing this um, right ahead of, of sending those out. So, so what does the whole year look like where, when you're gathering all that information? Well, we pretty much start right after we get done with certifying the role on June 1st of every year we certify the role that's going to be sent over to the clerk and then on to the different jurisdictions to figure out what they're going to need to calculate for our, our levy. So what we do is from that point on, we didn't start the next year. So June of 2021, we then started working on creating, finalizing our values for this year, which is 2022. So we go throughout the year, we look at all the, all the sales, we field check them, we make notes if there's changes that need to be done. Um, we uh, go out and look at new properties that got created through permits, um, primarily new construction, remodeling. And then we then update our records based on what we see when we go to the field on those. And then we then have uh, an accurate amount of uh, detail uh, as it relates to what kind of property it is, how much square footage it is, the quality of it. Uh, the different components that are involved in that particular type of property. And then we go to the sales and we establish an adjustment based on the different components as it relates to each of the sales. And then we figure out those uh, adjustments and then we start applying those uh, values adjustments to the properties that don't have that have those components but didn't actually sell. So therefore the whole county is revalued every year, which is a requirement by, by statute. So therefore, we are creating new values every year based on the sales that occurred, especially in the residential area. We use actually what we call sales comparison approach. We're looking at the sales of like properties and adjusting those values. Commercially, we can use sales approach, but a lot of times we use the income approach because that's how commercial properties are, are traded in the market, bought and sold, and uh, they're built to generate income off of the rents of the, of the people who rent the property. So therefore we use an income and expense uh, formula and therefore we recalculate based on that income information we get. We hire an outside firm to do a number of studies along with our internal studies. And then we 
put it all together and come up with what we think are the reasonable adjustments by the market. Then once we establish all of our values, we then go back and make sure our values are within 90% or 110% of the median value of that same property. So all homes that are in, you know, say Leewood, we establish the market area there. We look for the median sale price or the median value. Then we make sure all of the new values are just in that window of 90 to 110% of that median value. And then we make those adjustments to the properties to be that way. So they're not all exactly at 90% or 92%. They're gonna be in within that range of 90 to 110% of the number we pick. And that number is usually about 92 to 94% of the real market. And that, that amount isn't arbitrary, right? I mean, that's that's something that's established by statute, I assume. Yes, yeah, so the, the state of Kansas has a statute that requires us to value the properties across the board based on what the market was of their last year, and then establish the new value of the properties based on what the market says they would be look they'd be worth if they went on the market and sold for the same time frame. So we're looking at that ratio of being ninety percent of the market to 110% of the market. Whatever that market number is we pick, let's say we pick you know, $400,000, we need to have the majority of our properties within 90% to 110% of that $400,000. And then we are graded by the state Department of Revenue as it relates to our accuracy of establishing the values. And so this year, like the year before, I'm sure, has been kind of strange in terms of, of the housing market. I think, you know, last time we talked, um, it was certainly a seller's market, low inventory. And then on top of that, you have building costs have just skyrocketed. And so how do those factors play a role in, in your uh, process? Well, what happens is, is uh, we're in a county that hasn't changed much from last year, Teresa, and that is we don't have a lot of inventory. And what I mean by inventory, we don't have a lot of options out there in the residential community to pick from when we go out to purchase a house. Because what you do is you use the principle of substitution. If I have two houses that both have three bedrooms, two baths, they're both about 1,800 square feet, they both have the same basic quality, they're about the same age and price, or in age and construction, I'm going to buy the one that's lower in price. Well. That only works well when you have enough inventory, say four to six months of inventory to maintain the prices to stay low. What we have here is about two months worth of inventory. And so for every house that goes on the market, there are four to five buyers wanting that same house. So now what you are is what they call a seller's market, which means the seller puts it on the market for 400,000. But when the five people bid for the house, He's going to end up or she's going to end up getting a house for probably 415, 420, 425, depending on how bad that group of people want to buy that house. So that becomes the market value of whatever the sale price is. They may have only asked for 400,000, but they actually got 420,000. So the market is the actual purchase of the property, the purchase price, not the asking price. So that's what we've seen a lot of the last couple of years and this year was definitely a year of the buyer's market. There was a lot of people trying to move into Johnson County for a lot of good reasons, but because of that need desire to be here, what we call the demand, there wasn't the supply to balance it. So therefore that it became a bidding war 
for those homes that were on the market. And there were a lot more bidders this year than there were last year. So therefore, the increase went up significantly, went up about 11% for the average on a residential home in Johnson County because of that demand for wanting to move here. So when, when our homeowners open up that envelope that gives them that, that uh, appraisal value, um, tell us a little bit about those trends. So more of what we're seeing, are certain areas going to be seeing a huge spike or some areas going to be seeing moderate or a decrease? Sure. So when I say the average was 11%, the 11% basically, and I'm rounding the numbers because we'll forget about decibels because we'll forget what those are. 11% is a good round number to work with. What happens is, is we're taking the overall county average. So that means you have areas that went down, that went up a higher percentage of that, somewhere in the 15, 18, 20% range. And then you have some areas that only went up two, three or 4%. But the 11% means that there were more pro homes that went up in the higher percentage range than on the lower percentage range. Because we take all the sales, and we compare that sale price to last year's value. And then that's how we establish that percentage. So we're looking this year at 11%. So DeSoto area, Spring Hill, those two areas saw a significant increase. Now, because they're a significant increase, they're probably in the 15 to 20% range. They also had the lowest values to start with. So they were more in the 200,000, maybe low $300,000 range for a home. So when they go up 20% or 15%, it's not that big of a number compared to a house in Miriam or Leewood that's at $500,000 and went up 15 or 20%. So sometimes the percentage increase is sounds scary, but until you actually math out the exact dollar amount, you'll find that a lot of times those increases sound bad, but they're not really that big of a difference when you actually look at the dollar amount that goes into that increase. But those are the areas we saw the most was Leewood, um, of course, so DeSoto and Spring Hill. And Spring Hill and DeSoto, I because, mostly because they had affordable housing compared to most of the rest of the county. So I think that's why they became the hotspot. So they had the bigger increases. Okay, good information and a little bit of a preview before people open those envelopes, I guess. And I know this can be um, sort of difficult information to stomach right now because because we're seeing those increases. I know, for example, you know, my mortgage payment went up $100 a month last year. And so that was, I shouldn't say surprising, but it's, it's difficult. You know, a lot of people are on fixed incomes and have a tight budget, especially uh, right now with, with the economy, economy the way it is. So I know you don't have a, a role in the tax part of that, but we always like to educate our listeners about the, that de delineation between taxes and the appraisal. So if you want to break that down for us. Sure. So there's a formula for creating property taxes, and it starts off with the establishment of the market values of all the properties. So we established that market value. And let's just say we came up with you know, $100 billion in value for that particular, for Johnson County, which is actually what, about what we are. We're about 106 billion this year. So that's a lot, of, that sounds like a lot of money. Well, then you take that, that number and you break it down by the assessment ratios. So residential is 11.5%, commercial is 25%, ag is 
or 25% and then there's 30% for the miscellaneous. When you take $100,000 and you multiply it by that ratio, you're only paying taxes on the ratio portion, what we call the assessed value. So out of $106 billion, the assessed value may only be $13 billion or $14 billion. And right now I'm just ballparking what that number is because I haven't taken the time to figure that out yet in our report. So let's just say it's $13 billion. That's the number out of the whole county value of 106 billion that actually gets used by the taxing jurisdictions to establish their tax levy or their mill rate. So what they do is then take the 13 billion divided by their, say they have five, five, five billion as a whole, not just individually, but as a whole, $5 billion for the actual dollars that have to be paid in property taxes. Well, you divide the 5 billion by the 13 billion and you get a, a percent ratio, which would be about 0.45 something percent. That would be your tax mill rate if nothing else changed on what was needed. So that's the number that people, a lot of times I think need to look at. They need to think of it as kind of like a teeter-totter. When the values go up, and over here, the city or the school or the county doesn't need more money, then the levy will come down to accommodate that, that $5 billion. If they need more services, then it may still come down, but not as much to cover the new services because there's always new services being asked for too by the public. So that's how it kind of works in terms of property tax assessment is just a teeter-totter. Value goes up or down, and the other side of the teeter-totter goes up or down corresponding to that number. But everything goes back to what do the jurisdictions need to run their businesses? And that of course is something only the jurisdictions can answer. My job is just to make sure my office provides accurate, fair valuations of all properties so they're all treated the same in the taxation process. And then the other people take over to deal with the actual tax levy, the mill rate, and the dollars being collected. And so when we're talking about properties, I know you know we're heavily focused in, on this episode about uh, homeowners, but can you talk about um, when we're talking about business properties as well, kind of how you guys separate those out and when, when the evaluations come out for both of those things? Sure, yeah, no problem. Um, our, basically what it looks like in the, this year is we're gonna have about 70% of the tax base for property tax will be residential and their 30% will be the tax base for commercial. So commercial is the other piece of the puzzle. That's of course your businesses, uh, the industry, the things that we, the, the jobs that we have, we all work for companies. Even if we're working with the government, it's still technically a company. It might be private, it might be the public sector, but it's still a company. So what we're doing is we're having to run our business. And so those are valued a little bit differently, but they still come up with the same issue and that is having a market value. So commercially, as you know, we've gone through the pandemic, even though residential market stayed strong, commercially had a lot of issues. Um, the last first year we had most commercial went down except for industrial. Last year started to improve a little bit with some of the property types. This year we're seeing some more improvement, uh, but we're still not where we need to be. So industrial, um, they were very strong again this year. They didn't go down at all. Multifamily, a lot of apartments are being built. There's a lot of heavy market for apartments, multifamily living. So those mar that market went really strong in terms of new construction and also the market being strong there. 
Uh, retail is a mixed bag. You could be in a, in a strip mall or a shopping center and there could be one store doing really well and then down two or three stores. There could be one that's just basically hanging on to survive. Um, it's because of the services that they provide, I think a lot has to do with it. Uh, the fact that COVID reduced the ability to be out in the public a lot um, and the issues with that, with the mask wearing and all that, I think caused some issues for the industry to not do well. Um, so they struggled retail-wise. Just depends on what type of retail you are. Office, still a mixed bag. We had very little new office space built this year. Um, bottom line is, I think the, the, the office world businesses are trying to figure what the model for running an office looks like. We've now been COVID for two years. Remote work has become part of life. And I think we're all struggling with the decision, even in, in, in government, how do we run our offices and our businesses with uh, the situation of remote working now an option and being relatively successful. So it's gonna depend a lot with them as to how they decide their business model is going to look. So I think they're struggling because I don't think they have an answer yet as a whole, what their future looks like. And then of course, hotels, they are still in, in really tough shape. They, without traveling, very little extra activity going on because of COVID restrictions, travel. The hotels have been basically in a 60, to 70% filled. That's unusual for the hotel business, especially when you go through a summer. Um, they haven't gotten much better. Uh, they're still struggling. A little bit of positive there, but not as much as we would like to see. And I'm sure not as much as they like to see. Um, that's one that's doing well. The entertainment industry, still struggling. Theaters, you know, uh, dinner theaters, AMC theater, movie theaters, um, game places are all, those are all struggling as well still. So it's just a mixed bag in commercial. We did see a 6% overall increase in commercial, which is a positive compared to previous last two years, but it's still uh, hard to tell how long it's going to take for the commercial part of the, of the pie to, to be back to normal, whatever normal ends up being. I think that's also part of our struggle. We don't even know what normal is anymore now after two years because who would have thought that homes would be selling at 11 percent above last year's values during covid but yet that's what happened here because of the inventory issue so it's just kind of a strange place to be right now yeah very world <laughs> very interesting times for sure and i'm sure uh new challenges for your business your industry all the time too um so what exactly uh, will homeowners and then the, the commercial side of that see those those values come and hit their mailboxes? Uh, sure. The commercial ones were mailed on February 14th. And so their appeals uh, cycle started. They got 30 days and they need to turn their appeals in by March 16th. A date stamp, of course, for that if they mail it in. Residential, we're mailing next Monday, the 28th. And then their cutoff for appeals will be March 30th. So that's kind of the window for the appeals process coming up. I encourage people if they really feel like the number doesn't look right when they look at activity in their neighborhood, they should file because you never, we could have something wrong. Um, you never know unless we look at it. I will tell you that for those that do appeal, we get a relatively reasonable percentage that 
does get an adjustment because we're doing mass appraisal. We can't hit every property exactly right. And so that's why the appeal process exists. So we can get our records right. And just so people know, how do you go about making that appeal? Well, on your form, there's a, the backside of your form actually has the, the document to fill out. It's your appeal form basically in the same notice. So you fill it out, mail it in. Um, we have a drop box out front that you can drop off your appeal for review. We have uh, multiple ways to do an appeal. Um, there are in-person ones. They're somewhat limited due to the issues with COVID. So we're encouraging property owners to have a phone call meeting or actually do what we call a hearing based on evidence. They provide all the evidence, we do the review, and then we just send back our answer. Then they can always call and have a conversation at that if they have questions about that. Um, then we'll deal with all the appeals and that one, but that's the way we're kind of handling it this year. We're, the in-person is just gonna be a little bit tough to do because people are still worried, leery about COVID and it's still not technically gone. So we want to, you know, obviously keep a safe environment as well, too. So we're looking to do most of our appeals off of the other two processes. But it's all right there on the form. Read it over, fill it out. If you do have questions, by all means, give us a call. That sounds good. And um, the notice of appraised value, people will get in the mail, of course. But uh, that information is also available online. Is that right? Correct. If you go to our, our uh, website, you go to the Ames mapping, you can then look up your property. And then when you click on it, you can get the information on your property. One of the things on that information is the value for the property. So you can look at it that way. Um, that's another way to look at it. And uh, there's a lot of people who do use the Ames mapping system to get information about their property. So it'll also give you your basic information of how we've listed the home as well. So. Okay, very good. And uh, just so people know, we recently changed or updated our our website at jocogov.org and that property data search um, link is still available on our homepage. You just need to scroll down a little bit and if you have any trouble finding it, just let us know. But um, great information on that, that site. There's lots of details about your property that you may not even know exist. And, and of course, check back there every year if you don't happen to receive your notice of appraised value in the mail or if you just wanna take a, a peek at it online. So. Thank you again for being here, um, as always. It's very good information. It's always nice to give people a heads up when they what they can expect coming in their mailboxes. Um, and I think, you know, as time goes on, we have no idea what the market will do, but we'll keep um, checking back with you to, to see what's happening. So thank you for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Teresa. And again, I have an open door policy. So anybody in the public is welcome to call, set up an appointment, come in. Um, and talk to a community group as well. So uh, we're here to help and to serve. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JokoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jokogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.